Good morning, Ron Carter here. I'm inviting you to follow your dream with Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast with listeners in 200 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is jazz piano phenom Jahari Stampley, who just won the Herbie Hancock Institute International Competition. How about that? He's toured with Stanley Clark, and he's followed by stars like Robert Glasper and Corey Henry. Jahari has performed at Radio City Music Hall and Carnegie Hall. He's also done solo piano tours in Berlin, Geneva, and L.A. He was the winner of the 2019 Bosendorfer Prize, and he was awarded the 2023 Luminarts Fellowship. He's got a new album out called Still Listening, and in his spare time, he created a music app called Piano Chronicles. How about all that? And in the middle of this episode, as I do with all my musician guests, Jahari and I are going to do what I call a song fest. I've asked him to send me a handful of his best works, which he's done. We'll listen to a bit of them. We'll talk about them. You'll get the backstories. And nobody else does this in podcasts. And you also know if you're a listener of this podcast, that in every episode, underneath the introduction and at the end, I feature a song of mine. And I always try to make that song relevant somehow to my guest. And in this instance, the song I'm featuring is called Five to Six. It's from my album 20, which I released in 2015. And it's a retrospect of my music from the first 20 years of my recordings. Why did I choose this? Well, I started out writing and playing instrumental jazz fusion, and to me, Jahari's music is an updated version of this genre. So I thought that it worked. So, Jahari Stampley, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, baby. Wow, thank you for having me. It's an honor, pleasure, grateful. Okay, you know, you just won the Herbie Hancock prize okay to me that's what it is it's the price tell me about that wow well you know it's an incredible experience i have immense respect for everyone else who competed they were all peers that i looked up to and admired growing up even and um i think it was just uh incredible to be a part of the experience to listen to everyone to learn in the moment and just absorb the moment as it happened so tell me about this how many people were in the competition how did it work did you all play one piece or multiple pieces tell us about that so there were three rounds uh the first round it was submissions across global submissions and you had to submit about five pieces with different requirements uh, so they just wanted to show a range of your playing 
before even getting into the semifinals. So out of the pool of people across the globe, then they select 11 semifinalists. And the people who were in the semifinals were like, there was a guy from Slovakia, Koreans, this is people from all around the world. And they bring us all together for the semifinals out of a pool of selections. And then that is then the next stage, which is every semifinalist will play three selections of their choosing. In my case, I did a blues, Aki's Blues by Buddy Montgomery. And I did a Jerry Allen tune entitled Drummer Song. And I finished with a piece called We Shall Overcome. And I think everyone kind of had the option to do whichever they they felt. So afterwards, it's, it just gets crazier and crazier. You know, you're playing in front of Herbie, Danilo, Hiromi, Bill Charlotte, Terry Lynn Carrington, Ambrose, Oren Evans. Uh, like the list goes on. Just everyone in the audience is just all of your heroes. And... <laughs> Like a who's who in jazz, for sure. So let me understand this. Is everybody a keyboard player? And are you playing in those three pieces? Is it solo keyboard that you're playing? So it was a blend. It was a trio with Carl Allen and Richie Goods. Um, so we could play it however we wish and arrange it however we wanted. So in my case, I did a mix of solo and with the trio. Like I... I kind of weaved in different moments during my set to kind of highlight different aspects of piano playing. It was kind of my goal and to display a range of stylistic choice. And I think uh, just with me keeping the judges in mind, I just wanted to showcase a variety of stylistic choice. After you finish playing, do they hold up like a number that says, you know, you got a 10 or a nine, or is it all like totally mystical? Cause they don't tell you anything at that moment. Oh, it's totally mystical. Like they, you don't hear a thing until the end. And it was a long day. We got in at like 9 AM and the results were announced at like 10 30 PM. So it was quite a day of just immense pressure and and just immense <laughs> it was just a lot and I think everyone there you know everybody was amazing so it was hard I'm sure for the judges like I couldn't imagine being a judge for something like this were you pleased with the way that you performed did you think you had a shot at the number one <laughs> well man I think music can be so subjective and in my in my mind, I just I wasn't so much concerned about the competition as much as just playing honestly and being myself and just just really I just was playing from my heart and not really worried about any results or anything of that nature really. Because in the end of the day, you know, it's it's about love and sharing and just, you know, playing honestly. So well, you must have done a fantastic job. All right, tell me this. When they announced the winner, how did they do it? Oh, man. So <laughs> the second day for the finals, it was literally like a, another long day. But this time, it was even more crazy because there were performers 
Herbie performed before us. Uh, Danilo performed. There was a long string of performances before we even performed our pieces as the finalists. So they select the three finalists out of the pool of 11, which were Paul Cornish was a finalist and Connor Roher was another finalist. And they are both people where I just admire and they're incredible as well in their own right. And literally it was just another stressful day where it was like Esperanza Spalding came that day. More people were there this day because I guess it was more of a big deal and it was immense. And so finally we performed our pieces. The three of us went back to back. And then by the end of the day, again, around 11 PM was the day they finally announced every winner. And the order that they went, they went from third place first. So the first announcement, they said, Paul Cornish, and even in my mind backstage, I was like, oh, yes, he won first place. Like, because I <laughs> thought I thought they were going backwards. I thought right. they were announcing the first place first. So when they announced Paul, I was like, yes, he he got first place. Like, I'm, I was so happy. For, and then they announced second place, Connor. And then Herbie turns around. He shakes my hand. He's like, congratulations, man. And I'm like. <laughs> I won third wow. place. I, I get. I don't. He's like everybody was like congratulations, congratulations. Oh, you mean even at that moment you didn't know that you had won? You thought you were in third place? At that moment, I literally thought I was in third place. <laughs> <laughs> he was like congratulations, congratulations, man. And I'm like, what is going on? And and Herbie walks out and he announces he's like first place winner. And I was like, what? Did I hear everything wrong this whole time? Like, I didn't even, I didn't even realize that I had won first place. Man. And I, I was humbled and just, it was crazy. And immediately after they announced it, people were screaming. And I, you know, shook Herbie's hand and handed me the award. And as I just the moment was just so unreal. They took photos and then afterwards NPR came up to me, downbeat, the owners of Steinway, like all these press media people were like bombarding me in the corner, trying to get information and interview me. And it was just like, somebody had walked up to me and said, man, your, your life has just changed. You're not, you're not who you were yet. Like your life has changed. <laughs> I didn't realize how big of a deal this. It was so weird. I submitted my application a day late, and I just was like, "Man, I I didn't have enough time. I was in the middle of a tour. It was just like everything just was so, you know. I didn't have any expectations. I just was truly just honored to be a part and just played honestly and just just remain myself. Well, listen, I want to. Congratulate you on your third place finish, okay? <laughs> that is such a crazy story. I mean, to not understand that you won the thing. But I mean, and when Herbie announces this, there's a big audience there, I assume? Yes, it was a full crowd of people, yeah. I mean, it's like winning the Academy Award, okay? Or the Emmys or the whatever. I mean, this is the top of the line, okay? Winning that Herbie Hancock competition. How do you feel now? 
you're now removed from it a little bit. Tell me how you feel right now. Man, you know, it's, I just, at the end of the day, I, for me, it was always just about the music and just about always growing and keeping my ears open. And, you know, they announced first place, but to me, I always, you know, I'm always striving to improve and get better and just stay curious and never close myself off. You know, I just want to keep learning and growing. I know there's so much more and just want to continue just growing as a musical artist, sharing my music to the world. I'm planning a tour in support of my new album, still listening. And, you know, I'm working on a piano course, an interactive piano course. I've been spending about four years on it. And you can hook up your keyboard to the to the computer and interact with the notes. It can do automatic transcriptions. So I'm working with a coder and I'm just, I have so many ideas. I, I want to keep expanding and creating. I, I don't even, competition is cool, but it's, you know, I want to do so much more. Good for you. Good for you. All right. Now I understand in reading your bio, you didn't start playing the piano until 14 years of age. Am I right? Yeah, I started started kind of late. <laughs> I mean, seriously, there you know there are kids that start at age five, age six, whatever, and you're fourteen, and your mother had a lot to do with it. Am I right? Yeah, you know, my mom, she's so incredible. She's actually a Grammy nominated musician, and I feel like me and her really think alike in the sense of just being curious and following our what we love and our passions and. The thing I loved about my mom, she never forced music onto me. Although I guess, you know, she always played the records around the house. I didn't realize what I was hearing. And I remember I actually didn't understand jazz at all. It was confusing. It was like it was a nonstop melodies and I couldn't understand what was going on. And later I realized, oh, they're just soloing over a song form. And they're continue, they're extending the, the sections. But, you know, I, I didn't have the understanding. So I think because I started later, it was actually a blessing because I was able to understand music from a normal person's perspective. And as a result, I think I'm able to connect more to people that don't understand music because I listen to music just like everyone else, like everything on the radio. Even now, tell me about that. What did you like growing up? What kind of music? Who were the artists? I mean, I listened to everyone and everything. And from you know, I would go home and hear classical music and jazz. But in school, I mean, we were listening to rap. <laughs> we were listening to like Lil Wayne and Coldplay. You know, Jonas Brothers, Disney music. <laughs> Just like you were going everywhere, huh? Literally, I, I think. The interesting thing is that, you know, it's all connected. I take elements, you know, in terms of rhythmic elements from certain, even when you hear rap music, there's a lot of nuance in the rhythms that they use and the triplet. It's like the way they kind of blend different rhythmic phrasing. It's like, man, you can use that over jazz. You can impose different rhythmic interpolations over things that you hear all the time. And I feel like, I think it helps to open your ear to more than just one side of jazz. And I think a lot of people, they close themselves off to a style 
but it's almost like they closed themselves completely of any other possibilities musically. And <laughs> I think uh, my I just I've always dug into everything, you know, from the old jazz tradition, the stride and modern jazz to classical to just rap and to just every everything I, I could possibly get my ears on. I think it it helped me to expand my ideas in a different way, you know. I can only imagine. And you're right. I hear a lot of that in your music. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Miller, your host. I've just released a new EP called The Singles Project that features five of my new songs. I'm pleased to say that the recording has gotten wonderful reviews. It's been called amazing, magical, fabulously enticing, a home run, and a sonic toward the force. How about that? The songs speak to the ups and downs of life, from the blissful, joyous Saturday morning to the darker commentary of like never before and the ship. Several reviewers said the songs show me exposed and vulnerable. And you know what? They're probably right. See for yourself. The songs can be streamed on Spotify and all the other streaming services. And you can check out all of my music at the Project Grand Slam website. The links are all in the show notes. As always, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and to my music and keep on rocking. This would be a good part of our interview to go into the Songfest. You have this new album that you've got out there called Still Listening. You've sent me four tracks from the album. So we're going to start playing the first one. This is called Power. And you know what? That's a great name for this track because I found it to be powerful and dynamic. Tell me about that one. You know, I actually um, did this on Chick Corea's piano at his studio, and I was kind of crazy. I had written this song my freshman year of college, and I expanded upon it over the course of, you know, up until now, and recorded an updated version of it that was Jeremiah Collier on drums. And in the midsection, I'm actually playing key drums to kind of, that's where the tone of the drums kind of shifts. Those are actually MIDI drums in the track. And the bass line, I'm playing the whole bass line with MIDI. So it's a blend of MIDI and acoustic with the Chick Corea's piano. There's an underlying layer of MIDI piano as well. And there's all these little techniques with the reversal effects throughout the track. And I just wanted to kind of blend all of these modern yet acoustic elements to kind of create a story based on just 
an update of the way I wrote it originally and the way I was interpreting music now. All right, you got to tell me this. You said you recorded this on Chick Corea's piano. My two favorite piano players as I was growing up were Chick and Herbie, okay? And oh, yeah. you've, you've obviously <laughs> played and met both of them. Tell me how you got to Chick Corea's piano. So as I was touring with Stanley Clark, he actually facilitated for the band to come to L.A. And he actually is now the new owner of Chick's studio because of his passing. Right. And so thanks to that connection, I was able to get in there and record on that beautiful instrument. And it was just an unreal experience. I'm just forever grateful to have crossed paths and to just have been able to share and play such a such a legendary instrument, you know. Well, those two guys, Chick and Herbie, you know, they used to perform together. I think their music is just magnificent. Everything about them is magnificent. So kudos to you. You've been involved with both of them. All right, let's go to the second track. This is called Replay, another powerful track. Tell me about this one. Replay. Oh, man. This is one of my first songs that I wrote ever. Like uh, my friend, Stephen Harley uh, from college, he's a saxophonist. He was my roommate. And we used to play sessions together, just duo and practice rooms late nights, every night, just practicing and there was this idea of this melody, the repetition of the melody, and just usage of pentatonic and kind of certain phrases he would do. And I just remember being inspired by him particularly to write this melody. Just the overall piece I recorded in New York with a group of great friends. John Cook Kim is a drummer from Korea. He is on drums on this track, and it's just magnificent. Derek Hodge, part of his bass lines is towards the end of the track. And I blended different bass parts. Stephen Harley played bass as well. And I just really wanted to get a group of all of my kind of favorite musicians that were my age and, and just wanted to like just create something. And I made this track and it's kind of just as you it has a trumpet solo. It's a young trumpet player, 19 years old, Stefan Clement. And it's just like everybody on there. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just a group of my favorites in one. And I, I just, you know, I recorded it four years ago. And so that piano recording is old. Um, that's my old self. And all of us were just fresh, freshly like in college, just freshly just creating. And I think I just wanted to really make that recording a part of this album. I like when you call the trumpet player at 19, a young guy, okay? <laughs> You're not exactly old yourself. What are you, 24 or something? <laughs> 23, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 23, <laughs> excuse me. 
I got wine that's older than you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's go to the third track. This is called Still Listening. I guess it's the title track. It's a solo piano thing. It's definitely quieter and more contemplative. Did I hear some stuff like being played backwards? Did you do any backwards stuff on that? Yeah, I did some reverse piano effects. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just subtleties to kind of add to the very kind of 60s thing to have that <laughs> backwards sound. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. Okay, let's do the last one. This is something I would say. The drummer on this, I want to know who this was because the guy is very active, but very good. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I really like this one. So this drummer, he's actually in my trio with my mother and I. His name is Miguel Russell. And he's also right now still a student at Manhattan School of Music. He just turned 20. And oh, my God, he's probably one of my he's got to be my favorite drummer in the world, especially just us being it's like we have this connection musically and he actually sent his parts remotely so it just goes to show just how we sound wow. together and we're not even playing in the same room and we just did our first tour and it was four shows we've ever played together it was it was incredible and miguel russell was on that track and everybody wants him i'm trying to get him out I, I need to set up a tour before <laughs> it's too late he's he's gonna get out of my hands man <laughs> You got to reserve them, huh? <laughs> All right. Tell us a little bit. What's going on now? What are you going to do next? So as of next, you know, I'm just in the process of putting together a more permanent top tier team. Um, so we're expanding. Lately, there's been this lady uh, named Camille LeBlanc, and she's been really just a big supporter, a big fan. And She's just so business oriented. She's like runs a C. She's a CEO of a company, and she just always has supported me and kind of steps in to, you know, take calls and just understands the business so thoroughly and just has been helping me. She's been godsend, and she even flew out to the finals just to see me perform, not even knowing that I was going to make the finals. She's just that much of a supporter and. She's getting contacts. She already got the NPR contacts and she just really wants to help me get an A team of manager. And we're really close to getting a really good manager now. And 
I can't reveal who it is yet, but I'm just, it's just thanks to Camille who's just been helping. So we're just expanding and getting an agent and setting up, you know, so much quickly. It's happening quickly. Fantastic. We have been speaking here with Jahari Stampley, and we're talking to you at the almost at the beginning of your career. I mean, I, there's so much more that you're going to be doing, and I can't even begin to imagine just how big you're going to get. But one day you're going to look back and say, you know, I did this interview with this guy, okay, and this podcast. What's his name again? Oh. <laughs> anyway, I hope I'm going to get you back on here at some point after your star has grown even bigger. It's just been an amazing experience. I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast, Jahari. Well, man, thank you for having me. It's a real honor. All right. We're going to listen now to that song of mine that started off the episode. It's called Five to Six. I want to thank you all for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com.
Thank you. 